This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. Hopefully everybody had a tremendous 4th of July weekend. And it was good for the Canadians last night. They stave off elimination. They avoid getting swept. And they make it a 3-1 series for Tampa in the Stanley Cup Final. And the individual who had the call on NHL International with Kevin Weeks is our buddy, E.J. Raddick. How are you, sir? I am good. I uh, survived it. It was a, uh interesting night, for sure, and uh, fun to be there as the game went into overtime. So, uh, kind of a crazy game, and uh, give the Canadians credit. They found a way to get it done. Yeah, it was a tremendous uh, play by you know Josh Anderson to uh, to win that game in overtime, and we had not seen a sweep since 98 and I felt like we were probably due for one you know and certainly the way things went in the first three games of the series Montreal didn't even have a lead in any of the three games that you felt like this was going to be a fait accompli and and maybe it will eventually with Tampa winning but you just wanted to see a little bit more of the series and for Montreal to at least get a moment right no matter how this series ends up working out in Tampa's favor at least Montreal could say they had their moment home ice and overtime goal forcing a game five and it really came down to making some key personnel decisions, EJ, that maybe came too little too late, but I think they did have an impact in Game 4. Yeah, uh, Delic Ducharme uh, made some decisions in terms of his lineup. He brought in two, uh, two of his you know, different defensemen on the back end. I mean, he's been kind of moving those guys around. He's got his top four guys that he plays, and then you know his five and six guys, has, they have played less, and in this series, it had been Gustafson and Merrill, and then uh, he decided to move those guys out and bring Kulak and Romanoff uh, into the lineup. And I don't really know why Romanoff hasn't been playing all along. I mean, he's very highly thought of young defenseman who played 54 games during the regular season. I mean, for me, he would be in the lineup, but, uh, you know, he was in last night, and he ended up scoring a goal, which was obviously very important. And uh, up front, they shuffled the lines a little bit, and the fact that uh, Josh Anderson was in with uh, Suzuki and Caulfield made a big difference because Josh Anderson ended up scoring the first goal of the game, which was really important, and I guess even more important, the last goal of the game in overtime to get the job done. So uh, he seemed uh, the, the moves by Deshaun paid dividends for the Canadians throughout the night. And uh, the extra day off, I think, and I've probably said this to you before, I always like when teams that are struggling or scuffling or are up against it have an extra day off to uh, kind of get, uh, you know, kind of regroup and get their act together. And the Canadians were able to make some changes and work on their power play, even though it wasn't significant in, uh, you know, in the game on uh, Monday night. But when you work on your power play, you also work on your penalty killing. And the penalty killing for Montreal was critical in the game oh, yeah. and uh, they they were able to hold off I believe it ended up being five five power play chances for the uh, for the Tampa Bay Lightning including a double minor at the end of regulation and into overtime yeah and God I don't know if there's an equivalent in sports of what Shea Weber must have been going through sitting in the box for the final minute of regulation for the first three minutes of overtime against one of the best power plays you're going to run into with all that talent, and you're in the box all by yourself there with your head down, wondering if this is going to be the end of the series. And and really, and, all, and, and just the relief he probably felt getting out of the box. But 
God, you, you couldn't feel good about their chances, right, EJ, with the cup on the line being able to kill those first three minutes of overtime. But they did it. Weber comes out, and then shortly thereafter, they get the game winner. Yeah, it was uh, certainly did not look good, as they say, uh, because it was very clear what had happened. He tried to get the stick of Pilat. He got underneath him, clipped him in the face under his shield. Luckily for Pilat, he wasn't, he wasn't more seriously injured. He just was cut. Fortunately, he wasn't hit in the eye or anything. And, um, you know, Tampa had opportunities. They had looks throughout the power play, although Montreal did a good job for stretches. There were times, especially in regulation, before we went to the extra session, that last minute where Tampa had a couple of good looks at it. So uh, it was a wild finish for sure. You're right. For, for Shea Weber, who I thought played terrific in the game last night, was really physical and uh, was, was a factor in the game. To be sitting in that box for four minutes at the end with the season on the line uh, is not the place you want to be. I can remember last season uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights was a similar story with Jack Whitecloud as a younger player. And he, I think he had a puck over glass penalty, and then uh, he ended up being in the box as the game was decided. And uh, it just has to be a miserable, miserable feeling. And uh, fortunately for Shane Weber, his teammates bailed him out. Yeah, and then yeah, there was the uh, you know a couple of posts. It was just a crazy, crazy game. And I'm, I'm glad we ended up getting a classic, and we'll see what happens back in Tampa uh, for Game 5. But I, just personally, EJ, you're getting a chance to call this for NHL International, so anybody watching outside of Canada or the United States or watching your feed, and, and you're getting a chance to call a final, which is amazing. So I'm just wondering what's going on in your brain in overtime, you know, what you're kind of just hoping for personally, because I know we all have rooting interests, but, you know, the, nobody's more passionate about rooting for themselves, right? So are you are, are you rooting for Montreal so you can get that fifth game, get another uh, – get another chance at a Stanley Cup final game or do you want that rare opportunity to be able to call a Stanley Cup winner in overtime it had only happened 17 times before I guess the last time it happened was in 2010 with the Patrick Kane goal against the Philadelphia Flyers in game six so it doesn't happen that often so I'm just wondering do you want a longer series or are you hoping that you get to be one of those rare individuals to call a Stanley Cup winner in overtime yeah, I, the only thing that I can tell you that I was definitely cognizant of as it goes on, because as you know, you call games yourself, Don, you do, you've done a lot of games, you're in the moment. You know, to me, you know, I'm in the moment. So I, I'm not, you know, I'm thinking a little bit ahead of if, if this happens, you know, be aware of the circumstance. And I was certainly aware of the fact that if the Lightning score here, they're going to win the Stanley Cup. And so that has to be part of whatever I say. But, uh, you know, I wasn't really thinking at the time, like, oh, I want Montreal to score because I want, you know, to call another game. Although I did want to call another game. I would love to call seven. I would love to see it go all the way to the end because I'm getting this opportunity now that you don't get every day. And the more games I can do as someone who hasn't called a lot of games would be beneficial to me. But I can tell you last night while it was happening, I wasn't thinking about that, but I was aware of, uh, of the circumstance of them, obviously, could win a Stanley Cup. So that was more in my mind, I would say, than anything else. Yeah, just crazy how secular it becomes with the uh, sweeps. We saw four consecutive sweeps from 95 to 98, and we have not seen another sweep since. And I guess the third time off the top of my head, EJ, that there could have been 
a sweep with the Kings against the Devils, the Kings against the Rangers, and now this one where Game 5 was won. But it was so rare, EJ, I think it was only the fourth time that we've seen a team go into Game 4 and not have a lead the entire series. And I guess the last time uh, you know it, it happened was a, that Devil-Kings series in 2012 yep. where the Devils yeah. did not lead and ended up winning the next two games. But it's, it's rare to see that kind of dominance in a final, even when they do end up in sweeps. Yeah, it does, you don't see it too often. If I remember correctly, the Devils and Kings, I think the Kings won back-to-back overtime games yep. in New Jersey. Yes. In the games one and two. So the the games were closer, you know, the series was closer than you would have thought when you think about, you know, two of those first three games were in overtime. Uh, yeah, Tampa's just been really good. I mean, they've, they've come to play. You know, every single time they go to the whistle and drop the puck, the Tampa Bay Lightning have been ready. And John Cooper likes to start that third line with Cord and uh, Goudreau and uh, Coleman. And he starts those guys at the beginning of every period. Anytime they need a boost, they're on the ice. I mean, to me, they've been the best line, the most, the most uh, consistent line throughout this series. And... Um, Ironically, they were on the ice last night. At least Johnny Gordon was on the ice when uh, when Anderson scored the game winner. But they've been terrific in this series. And so Tampa has just been able to – they've had the jump, I would say, on Montreal, almost the entire series. And even in game two, you go back to game two, when the, the game was tied late in the second period and, you know, Montreal had been pushing – and there's Tampa. There's those guys again. And Coleman scores a game winner, and or excuse me, scores the, the the goal with two seconds left in the second period, which ended up being the game winning goal and a three to one win. Just seems like Tampa has just had the you know the edge. And even last night's game, they they really did outplay Montreal throughout the game. And the start of the game, Coleman had a couple of good opportunities right out of the gate. They uh, they out uh, the shot attempts were seventy to forty two. Um, so the you know a lot of that had to do with five power play opportunities for the Tampa Bay Lightning, but really even at even strength, I thought they were the better team. It just Montreal was able to hang in there. Kerry Price made a lot of good saves. He had a couple of good breaks with uh, pucks off the off the post. Kucherov had one on a kind of a Cosby like defect deflection from the side of the net that hit the post. Um, so the Canadians were able to hang in there and find a way to win. And I guess that's the recipe for the Montreal Canadians is just try to Rope and open, and hang in as long as you can because Tampa just needs to come in waves. Try to be there at the end of the game as they were in overtime last night. That's kind of a way to get the game winner. So uh, we'll see how things go in game number five. I know the teams are racing to get down there with the, the storm coming through that area. So that's another challenge uh, yeah. for everybody forward. But, uh, you know, we'll see if we get the puck dropped at 8 o'clock on, or 8.20 or thereabouts on Wednesday night. Yeah, kind of scary because the Tampa Bay Rays baseball game has been postponed already today, and they play indoors. But the game's been yeah. postponed because the hurricane's supposed to strike right around there, and I guess they don't want people on the road, so hopefully they're able to get in, yeah. get some shelter, and then everything will be okay for the start of the game uh, uh, at 8 o'clock. And I guess I guess Tampa fans aren't too disappointed. Uh, I know the Tampa mayor is excited because they wanted to see the yeah. Cup but I, I, I kind of see value in that because, remember, they didn't get a chance to embrace it all last year's run. 
at all because everything was done in the bubble and the cup was won in Edmonton. So I can understand from a selfish standpoint, you know, Lightning fans and people that are close to the Lightning organization, if there's any kind of positive byproduct of the loss last night is now to get a chance tomorrow to be able to to wrap up a, a, a third championship in franchise history, second in a row, but for the first time in 2004 in front of their fans. Yeah, it would be wonderful. All I have to do is win. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's it. If they lose, you know, then they're going to go back to Montreal, and now all of a sudden the series starts to take on a different field. But, uh, yeah, it would be great for them to do that. I think, uh, you know, the mayor there, uh, Mayor Castor, I guess it's Jane Castor is the mayor Tampa. I mean, I don't know why you want to be uh, out there with those kind of events and right. doing the sporting events because if it doesn't go well for some reason, your re-election chances probably diminish uh, significantly. But uh, you know, playing the odds that the Lightning are going to are going to uh, find a way to win one of the last four, I guess, is a safe play. They haven't lost two in a row in the playoffs in the last couple of years, so. Uh, you know, I guess uh, it makes sense from that standpoint. And it would be great to have a, you know, in the in the back of my mind, even in, in the run up to the game yesterday, it was my feeling was, uh, you know, it would be nice to see the Stanley Cup won in front of the full house and in a home situation. We haven't had that since 2015 when the Blackhawks won at home when they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, uh, you know, maybe that'll play out. Uh, we'll kind of have to watch and see how things go with the scheduling with this storm coming through there. It's, as you mentioned, there's a possibility, I would think, that the game could get postponed or moved for another 24 hours. We'll have to wait and see what the weather has in store for that area. But uh, when they do get on the ice in Tampa, I'm sure the fans that will be in the building and the building is close to full now uh, will be revved up and excited at the opportunity to see the Stanley Cup right in their, in their house, as they say. Yeah, and I just feel we talked about this the last time uh, you were on, EJ, just kind of feeling robbed of what would have been a very special experience with those games in Montreal to see 21,000 people, the anthem, uh, the introductions of uh, Yvonne Cornoyer and Guy Lafleur and Patrick Waugh before the drop of the puck. Uh, hey, listen, the 3,500 fans, are, there seems to be more of them than that, but still to not have a full That's building has kind of, been, kind of sucked That's a little bit. That's what I hear. There's more than... 3,500 from the people who were there tell me that they feel there are quite a few more than that. But, yeah, and it was it was a, a great moment to have those legends there last night with, uh, as you mentioned, Cornway, who was one of my favorites as a, as a kid growing up, and Guy Lafleur and Patrick Waugh. And uh, Guy Lafleur has been in, uh, has been in ill health. And uh, although he looked well last night, from what I understand, uh, you know, he is dealing with something pretty significant. So to see him there, was special, and uh, you're right. It would have the Bell Center is a special place for hockey fans and uh, the passion that uh, resides in that building. Even though it is not the same building that the Canadians uh, won all those many cups with for many many years in Montreal Forum, they moved out of there in the '90s and have been in the Bell Center. But they put on a great great show, and there's a passionate fan base, and of course they have the great hot dogs up in the press. Oh my God, box. they I don't do. Know what else to say. That's uh, there's so many great things about Montreal, but the hot dogs are right there in the top five in that building. Right I don't know there. what they, it's right. the bread, right? I, I think it's the what they do something with the bread. There's not much you can do bun. with a hot dog, but I think it's the bread that makes it special. They they toast the bun. It's that center cut <laughs> roll, and then they kind of have that little press, and they toast it, 
and then they give me the hot oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a wonderful experience and uh, hopefully I can get back up there next year now that I think about this I say you know it's time it's time to go back up yeah it's time yeah. It, it, it certainly is time and I'm really looking forward to October 12th, we'll be able to get the 21-22 season uh, going, but let's let's finish this one up. We still have a Game 5 hopefully coming up uh, tomorrow yep. from Tampa, and EJ will be on the call with Kevin Weeks. So it's a really sad story, though, a real gut punch earlier in the day. Matisse Kevlenix, we find out, uh, passes away from chest trauma. Just sounds like just a, a wacky, crazy, just heartbreaking story. He's 24 years old. Uh, I got to see him play in his uh, National Hockey League debut. It was at Madison Square Garden. I didn't call the game, but I was doing the pre and post for it. And and just sad to see a life so you know end so tragically at such a young age. Yeah, I mean, it's reminiscent, I guess, in some ways to me of Kelly Lindbergh uh, and his accident that he was in in the mid eighties. Now Kelly was already had already established himself, I think, as a very young star on the rise for the Flyers and was in a, a car wreck and was tragically lost and this case uh different in that, you know, it wasn't you know, we don't have all the details yet, but uh some kind of incident with fireworks and apparently uh you know, uh Steve Lennox was hit with uh, the mortar blast of the fireworks, for lack of a better term, and uh, you know he ended up suffering uh, or or passing away due to the the injuries he suffered from that. So just uh, you're right. It's, uh, I don't know what to say about it. It's just incredibly heartbreaking. It's so sad, and it you know makes me think about just the fates in life and how you have a strange circumstance like this results in the death of a young man so uh you know all we can do is our thoughts and prayers to the family the friends the organization and uh you know just really really heartbreaking to see a young man be 24 years of age and his life in front of him and have to end in, in such a kind of strange unusual freak accident and you know, crazy. I thought about it at the time, EJ. That it was uh, his former teammate that won the game last night. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Josh Anderson, a former teammate, and also David Savard, who was even more recently uh, a former teammate of uh, of Kid Lennox. So there was definitely some connection to the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, you know, on the ice last night. The hockey family is a small one, as you know, and uh, there's a lot of different connections as uh, people cross paths in different circumstances. And, uh, yeah, Josh Hattinger had a big game last night, no doubt, and uh, I'm sure it was on his mind, and I'm sure it did weigh heavily on David Savard's mind. He was on the ice, actually, as one of the starters, when they did that moment of silence at the beginning of the game uh, last night. So uh, just a heartbreaking story. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just sad. I mean, it just makes you think again. It just makes you think about the cruel fate sometimes that intercedes in <laughs> people's lives. And uh, just a very, very sad story. Yeah, that's why, you know, tomorrow's promise to no one. You know, all the little... Things that we spend so much time worrying about at the end of the day, it doesn't matter when you see things like that happen. So just remember exactly. him, your thoughts and prayers on that, and you know, just keep it in your mind. I know his, um, you know, his family was very hockey oriented, and uh, 
So you just see these stories about um, just, just it just it's a heartbreaking, you know. Uh, yeah. To see, yeah. and it's, you know, I'll tell you what. For me too, Don. I don't know. I've never been someone that has had an interest in in fooling around with fireworks, and uh, you know, it's just every year around July Fourth, we hear kind of a crazy story where somebody gets injured. In this case, someone loses their life. I don't think that. Again, we don't know exactly what happened, but apparently. Someone in the group was, was, you know, playing with some kind of uh, fireworks, and things went awry, and and, and the result was this tragedy. But uh, you know, I I know people like you know do, dealing with that, and life worth. I get it, but you know, again, it's just something I've, I've yeah. never uh, never seen an interest in, and it's a, kind of a dangerous thing. And to those who do, I would just say continue to be careful. Or be as careful as you can be. I just see any stories like Elvis Merlikin's wife was very close uh, to the family. Um, you yep. know, hearing stories about you know the world championships that his his mom I guess was there and brought like pastries to the broadcast. Like you just it just hockey's such a, a, a tight knit family and there's so many different connections and, and ones that you wouldn't even think about right. Uh, don't even yeah. that that get cross paths in in some way, shape, or form, and and I'm sure it's like that in other sports. EJ, you've covered other sports too, but in hockey, it just seems like it's a little bit more prevalent. Where that that six degrees of separation seem to exist, where there's there's always some connection. Somebody you know knew this person, and so when you see somebody pass away, it's it's hard for like people like us that are so close to the sport of not having some connection to that person you know and and that's why these things really reverberate around the community when they happen yeah no doubt no doubt and uh like i said just a really uh mm-hmm. it's a sad day when i think about someone that young um just a sad situation for sure so EJ's got the call of Game 5. We're hoping will be played tomorrow from Tampa. If not, I guess they can just move it to uh, to Thursday. It'll be just that easy. There's nothing else going on in those buildings or anything. So we'll have well, to just well, wait. I'll tell you what, though, Don. We are kind of up against it. You know, when you think about the commitments that NBC has with the Olympics and other different uh, things that are going on in the sports world right now, the NHL would, you know, wants to stay on schedule if they can. But obviously, if there is a storm of, uh, of that kind of significance coming through the very city where they're going to play, then I would think that uh, they will make the decision to to move it back. We will see, but it'd be interesting to see when they move it to and how it could impact the rest of the schedule if indeed Montreal were to win again. Yeah, because back-to-backs are not the easiest thing in the world when you're crossing borders and, and all that, too, so... Uh, we'll have to uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. So, you know, EJ, you know, good luck tomorrow or sometime later this week. Thank and you. I just hope for your sake uh, you. we get to see even more games. Yeah, I appreciate that. And uh, thanks for your support as always, Don. It's been a really fun experience to do it. You know, I know you going earlier on in our, our relationship and watching you kind of make that transition and doing games and you've done such a great job and uh, – it's just a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. We'll see what the future holds, but uh, I appreciate the support, and uh, we'll see what happens in Game 5. All right, buddy. Enjoy it. We'll talk to you soon. You got it. All right. That is the great, and I mean the great EJ Raddick. Love the call for NHL International coming up uh, tomorrow, hopefully for Game 5 
of the Stanley Cup final, and we'll see if we can squeeze a little bit more out of this series. But at least Montreal got their moment. Home game, overtime goal, so they could feel like they've contributed to this series. There's nothing worse than getting swept, right? Especially if he didn't lead the entire way. You almost feel like, do we belong? And there's been a lot of conversation. Does Montreal belong? Is this just a byproduct of a 56-game schedule? Is it just like a fluke playing within your own division? And listen, we'll have that conversation when it's all said and done. But Montreal does win, and they do force a Game 5, hopefully tomorrow, from Tampa. And if Tampa wins, they get to do it in front of their fans, and hopefully the weather doesn't put a damper on all of that. So uh, we will be back. Um, let's uh, let's reconvene, let's say, on Thursday. And let's uh, do a podcast on Thursday. Hopefully that'll be after Game 5, and we'll be celebrating a Tampa championship or embracing the possibility of a Game number 6. Or maybe we'll be previewing Game 5, depending on what the weather holds. So we'll be back with you again on Thursday. Things a little bit different, obviously, with the schedule because of the 4th of July. But hopefully everybody had a tremendous weekend. We'll be back with you again on Thursday. Want to get in touch with me? And we'll, we'll be really heavy with the tweets on Thursday uh, because we just didn't uh, have the time with EJ. Wanted to get into all the different things that were happening. So we'll be tweet heavy coming up on Thursday. So you do that by uh, going to Twitter and going at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct, and we'll read your tweets coming up on Thursday. Back with you again then. This was the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.